Want to learn more about Ahrefs? Check out their blog or YouTube channel for step-by-step -step SEO tutorials. And their seven-day trial is only $7. So head over to ahrefs.com and sign up now. For instance, when looking at competitors, you can see the pages and content that send them the most traffic. You can find out exactly which keywords they're ranking for and which backlinks are helping them out. And then from there, you can either replicate or improve on their strategies to make yourself even stronger. Our sponsor for the show is Optio, who makes managing Google Ads accounts simple and efficient. It automates time-consuming manual tasks so you can spend more time on strategic and creative work. Whether you work at an agency with a large number of accounts or you're a freelancer responsible for a smaller portfolio, Optio can save you time and make life that little bit easier. To learn more and get a six-week free trial of Optio, go to optio.com slash S-E-J. That's O-P-T-E-O dot -E com slash S-E-J. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Search Engine Journal Show. I am your host, Brent Satoris, and today we are joined by Peter Lashaw, who is a digital marketing expert and speaker with over 20 years of experience and a close personal friend. Um, we're going to be talking about Google SERPs and how often and how much they're changing, what you need to pay attention to, and what you can have an impact on. I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, Peter, great to have you on the show. Hey, man, thanks for having me. Yeah, man, I mean, we've known each other forever. I think we've worked uh, at least one company together and worked on multiple projects. And I've personally learned quite a few, like, really interesting SEO tactics um, from you directly. So it, it's really an honor to kind of have you on the show and, and, and to get into your mind and, and kind of get some of that information for everybody, all of our listeners, to kind of learn from. Um, one of the things that I, we, 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 we kind of talked a little bit ahead of time. And one of the things that I thought was a really interesting conversation was that, you know, Google SERPs are like constantly changing, right? And I think people expect that and understand that a little bit, but th there's constantly a shifting scope of what is available through their SERPs. Um, and some, some of those changes are good and some of them are not so good. Like for instance, uh, if you have a feature snippet, you no longer have a secondary search result in the top 10, right? Which makes sense because why would you have two of the same results? You know, it, it makes sense to only have one featured snippet. Um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, kind of like what is changing and why are things constantly changing with the SERP results? Yeah, that's a that's a that's a great um, great point, and uh, and thanks for those kind words. It's flattering to hear that from you because I respect you very much. Um, so yeah, you know, basically Google is 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 doing things consistently to their algorithm, which benefits SEOs. It keeps us in business, and why does it do that? It does that because the landscape of the search engine result page um, is ever changing. Let's keep in mind two things. Number one. Google has a mission to provide all the world's information, you know, in, a, in one universal um, area, uh, unique, fast, and all that. Their second mission is to make money. So their, their search engine result page is, is their real estate. That's where they're trying to monetize different areas. And every time they make changes to the SERPs and what information is displayed and when, well, it sort of eats up some of the real estate on the on the uh, on your on your display and push down result uh, organic results. So 
What's what's changing? It's the landscape of the search engine result page uh, for for different queries over different industries. And so it's it's important to kind of kind so, of so some of these some of these changes, right? They're just changes that you might not even notice, right? They're algorithmic changes that are just, you know, um, you know, changing the way things are ranked. But there's other changes that are, uh, you know, more significant, but maybe you still can't control. What are some of the changes in the SERPs today that individuals can actually go in and have an impact? Well, another great question. So what's important to, 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 to lean on re regarding that is the fact that we have to always focus on creating unique and good content. Uh, over the uh, uh, summer, uh, last summer, Google rolled out an update um, uh, related to uh, a concept called EAT, and that's um, expertise, authority, and trustworthiness. And later on in the year, they, 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 they did a major core update and are calling it BERT, which is a bi, uh, bi-directional encoder uh, representation from transformers. So real quick on E, like yeah. expertise, authority, and trustworthiness, I think that there's not a person out there in business who doesn't feel like they're an expert, they have authority, and they're trustworthy. What does that actually mean? Well, it's basically how your content is 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 displayed, or I guess it's how it's published. Um, not only do you need to have good, unique content, but the authority of that content needs to be backed up. What that means is the author, um, the author of the content needs to be disclosed. In, you know who this person is, what their experience is, where they got their experience to talk about the subject. Um, they need to back that up with some social media profiles that supports their involvement in a community and in discussions. And then lastly, it's about pruning or, or cleaning up our content that somebody from authority had once published but never really added all the authority. So that goes back to your question of Google making a change that doesn't seem like you can uh, put something hands-on to tweak something immediately. Uh, to get uh, some ranking changes. It's just about understanding what Google wants from a from an authority standpoint with content and outlining that appropriately. And you make a good point with that because some of the biggest changes, you know, um, over the last maybe three or four years that we've really been doing in SEO to kind of really improve, you know, our traffic or improve the quality of our traffic has not been creating something new. It's been consolidating content, right? There's the whole concept of taking, you know, 10 articles that are about basically the same thing, finding the most valuable page and then, you know, recreating the content to include what is missing from that article that is included in the other nine articles and then redirecting everything to the main article, right? Like, so consolidating content um, and even going in and like de-indexing content and taking content out and, and removing authors. These are kind of like going backwards and removing, but yet these are extremely important things to do when it comes to eat. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. I call that concept uh, content pruning. So, you know, let's think about the billions upon billions of pages that Google is indexing um, regularly and all the thousands and millions of pages that are being added to the internet every day. Google has a tremendous index to go through and what they're really trying to do is say, listen, we're always realize that content and unique content and great, and great content and authoritative content is what we want. Take the time to go back to your content if you feel that it is worthy to, for the internet and it's still current you know, as far as the, the, the you know, the, the concepts that you're discussing in your, in your article. Um, and what they're saying is improve it, either add to it 
maybe consolidate a couple articles, redirect an article, an old article to a newer version of it. It's about shaping, you know, Google's index to trim the fat, basically. You know, one of, one more, one of Google's other missions is to have a very, very fast uh, result from when you're searching. And the only way to do that is to either speed up the servers or <clears throat> um, optimize the content. And, and really, you know, that's really what, what they're asking you to do is optimize your content, trim the fat, keep what's good, keep stuff that's evergreen and, and build off of it. How, how do you approach that? Like in your, in, your, in your experiences, like how do you approach determining that? You know, you have, people get scared. The idea, you, you talk to somebody and say, look, you know, um, you might say to them like, look, go in and look at your analytics, right? Bet that, you know, probably 5% of your content's driving 100% of your traffic, right? And if you look at index reports, you're going to see that like Google's not even crawling more than like 25% of your content. They've crawled it already and they've never come back, which means they clearly they don't care, right, about that content, right? But even if you do all that, people get nervous about the idea of cutting content, right? So how do you approach pruning? You know, what do you look at? What reports are you looking at? What kind of logic are you using to make decisions on what you actually cut? So, so what I do, I mean, I, I, that's where I lean on my tools. I lean on Google Search Console and I lean on Google Analytics. When we write content, um, you know, it's all about the metrics and the data of how the visitors respond to that content. I've always said that I could virtually live in China, not speak the language, and I could probably still be a good um, strategist by just by analyzing the analytics. We look at bounce rates. We look at you know traction as far as impressions. We look at some social signals as far as likes and engagements. And I would start there. I would start to look at the content to see what has lower bounce rates. Lower bounce rates, you're going to want to keep that content. Stuff with higher bounce rates, well, you know, we obviously realize that there's some things on there that you're attracting to visitors that they're not wanting. I would start there. Look at content with very high bounce rates and not a lot of engagement as far as quick, easy stuff that you can trim. Now when you're starting to trim drill down into your list and you're getting to content that has trap or that has good bounce rates but maybe low um, engagement that could be an idea of maybe a, an article that you'd want to consolidate into something else if not add to it um, the other things that I would look at is um, search console to see where the con what the content is ranking for if you're doing this and you've been if you're in this process and you're going to attempt to do what I'm telling you to do, you probably have had a site for a while and you have a lot of content. And so it's about drilling down into that content to see where two articles may be competing for the exact same keyword or keyword market. And in that sense, you know, you want to determine which page would perform better as far as converting for your audience or not and consolidating those two. You don't want to basically have two very good articles um, that compete with each other. And another thing is is you might want to start analyzing your pub your articles, your blog articles compared to your category pages. You know, obviously your category pages probably will convert better than um, than, than, than if somebody came to your, your business for the first time through your blog that then led to your category page. And in some cases, you don't want some of your publications, you know, um, low, I'm not talking about long tail keyword, I'm talking about, you know, very, very top tier keywords that are competing against, you know, where the blog is competing against the category. And I think in some sense, you got to work those two together to find out where they 
should fall in the search engine result page. Yeah, I mean, one of the the tips I always like, you know, that I had seen as well, a couple people do with me uh, when we were working on these projects was to use Google, right? You just go and do a domain search and then a keyword and it results only your domain, but it ranks it, right? And there, you know, it uses their algorithm in a sense to rank it, um, you know, which which can tell you kind of like which content, but I mean, ultimately like traffic and, and crawl rates and things like that can determine as well. Um, last question on, um, you know, kind of pruning um, we're talking about like you know adding content or consolidating articles, but you know how often and when should people just flat cut content? How often should they cut content? Like when when do you actually just delete content, remove content, de-index it? You know, I, I think in, 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 in I don't know. I, I don't. I haven't spent a lot of time de-indexing content. Because just through my years and guiding my clients to create content, I've always said create good content. But where I will see articles and I look at the metrics or the analytics where bounce rates are high, conversion rates are low, engagement is low, might be a time when you can consider cutting the content. Or if the content is old and not necessarily evergreen anymore, um, that would be another way where you'd want to cut that content and I don't know that I would ever necessarily cut it as much as trying to find something I can redirect it to because if the article has been out there or the page has been out there for a while probably has some links that people are coming to and um, if that's the case you you know you might want to redirect rather than completely de and that's just my my approach yeah I mean search engine journal at one point I think we cut a ton of old content and uh, we went through a, a pretty extensive process of like looking at the authority, looking at how much traffic they were getting, looking at whether they were um, being indexed or not, looking at whether they were being crawled. And then we um, ended up cutting quite a bit of content that was just, you know, we just decided wasn't worth kind of like redirecting or really going through the trouble because it can be a lot of trouble to kind of do that. Um, but I, I've also seen other companies that just de-index without removing the content. So users can, you know, get it and they do a rel canonical on that content back to the category. So that the category for that content gets the authority, but like the individual pages are still readable, but they're not being indexed. They're not pulling the sites down. Um, so that, so that's a lot about eat, but eat is really about how you end up ranking and where you show up. And it's very, very, very important, but there's other aspects to the search results. Um, and I think the one that we'll probably avoid is, you know, paid search because that's pretty straightforward, right? But there's definitely opportunities to get included in feature snippets or to have your FAQ, your, you know, res results or to have the carousel results or to have video results. And, um, a lot of this stuff comes back to one specific tactic or one specific addition and that's schema. And it's something that we've been talking about for years, but I still think a lot of people are not really in embracing the need for schema and more importantly, the need to do schema properly. So, you know, Peter, tell, tell, tell the people kind of what is schema you know, what is the purpose and, and how do you do schema right today? Great. I love schema. Um, schema is something that I've been working on with my clients for the past couple years. Um, I just wanted to make a quick point about paid and something that I think um, your audience needs to just pay attention to. And, and that, I believe, is um, um, uh, local service ads. Um, local service ads are done through Google ads. So it's a paid mechanism, but it's Google's latest um, um, I guess product for getting uh, professionals to be ranked above everything else. 
They're just rolling it out to other sort of industries and in other markets, but it's going to work like, you know, searching for immigration attorney in San Diego. And at the very top, you're going to have recommended by Google this person. Um, I just, you know, it's something that else is going is that's coming out there that's going to push our our organic. Well, thing. well, that's interesting, and we can kind of spend a little time on that. I didn't know that there was, uh, you know, a lot of changes today. I know that uh, there's also a sense of the changing in the way the visual ad, like the ads, actually visually look. Correct? Like they're starting to look more and more like Absolutely. natural like, results. That goes into yeah, um, the landscape and the and, and of the search engine result page. I think Google has been accused of of um, blurring the the sort of lines between what's a sponsored ad and what's not. Google now just has a little icon that says ad next to the top four results and the colors of the ad, the background colors of the ad are displayed like organic search results. Um, and, 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 you know, so that's, you know, that's, that's part of what we're, what we're trying to do. Snippets is something that again goes towards, uh, um, Google's mission to provide the information in a concise format, rel re relatively easy to find. It makes you organize your content properly in order to be um, uh, included, or in order for your result to be included in a featured snippet. So schema is a markup language. Google, Yahoo, I think Yandex and a couple others got together like they do periodically to create a protocol. I think one of the first ones was uh, robots.txt. Um, they got together to kind of come together with an idea of what robots should look like. So in schema, they've come up with a markup language that is um, um, added around certain um, sets of data. So for instance, if you are a dating site and you have a local a page of local events, and the event has a location, it has a time, it has a um, uh, maybe a registration link and a more info link. Events typically have sets of data that is repetitive when you have it. Like I just said, the date, the time, the location, so forth. So what you would do is you would mark up your event information uh, uh, for the event-related schema. And so what that means is, is when somebody is searching for an event in your area and Google has that information in their index, instead of Google listing you on the first or second or third result, Google or 10th, whatever that may be, Google will put you at the very top of everything in an area that says events near me in a very nice table displayed with your event, your time, your date, as well as others that are in that area. Um, if you are a, uh, a cook or, uh, you know, a chef, I'm sorry, and you're, and you're looking to, um, uh, have a, have a blog of recipes, the recipes will have consistently a, a title, a description, a list of ingredients and a, uh, and, and, and sort of the directions for cooking that, um, that, that, that item. And, well, you, and you mentioned that you, you show up right at the top, but I just want to make a clarifying point for anyone listening that the schema doesn't actually make you rank better. It's, it, it allows you to be included in, in, in sections of the search results that are, are, are exclusive for that type of content. Correct. Now, up until recently, there's been a, a pretty decent change over the last week, actually. But to, answer, to, to say a little bit more of what you were just leaning towards, if your information on your page was well organized in the form of proper titles, sub, subheadings, Maybe your 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 um, um, 
uh, harder information to follow is listed in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a bullet format, tables, maybe a list format. Google likes this. It's concise data they can just pull apart and put into their top of their uh, search results and, and call it a featured snippet. And, and, and so in the past, if you had well-organized content, you will be ranked higher than uh, your than your than your competitor, and yes, you could get the bump in the featured snippet area. So that means that you would be listed in the featured snippet area, and then you could be listed again within the top ten results. That has changed. Google has um, made a change last week where they're saying basically no more schema double dipping. And what that means is if your content is featured at the top of a search engine result page in a featured snippet area, then the page that that content was pulled from will no longer be listed within the first top 10 results. And so what that is telling me to tell my my clients is still focus on good, well-organized content, make it concise, prune the content wherever you can, work for the featured snippet, and, um, and, and you'll have success of, rank, of rankings and traffic. Want to learn more about Ahrefs? Check out their blog or YouTube channel for step-by-step SEO tutorials. And their seven-day trial is only $7. So head over to ahrefs.com and sign up now. For instance, when looking at competitors, you can see the pages and content that send them the most traffic. You can find out exactly which keywords they're ranking for and which backlinks are helping them out. And then from there, you can either replicate or improve on their strategies to make yourself even stronger. Our sponsor for the show is Optio, who makes managing Google Ads accounts simple and efficient. It automates time-consuming manual tasks so you can spend more time on strategic and creative work. Whether you work at an agency with a large number of accounts or you're a freelancer responsible for a smaller portfolio, Optio can save you time and make life that little bit easier. To learn more and get a six-week free trial of Optio, go to optio.com slash S-E-J. That's O-P-T-E-O dot com slash S-E-J. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really important thing to note because, you know, that change, Google doesn't make changes. Well, uh, I'm going to say Google doesn't typically make changes that are just based on emotion or based on manipulation of like, you know, uh, how people, you know, their patterns of search and stuff like that. But it's more based on data, right? So they must be looking at some data that says, look, when something's, you know, featured, it's taking the lion's share of of the clicks, and so that secondary link is not needed. You know, it's not it's not important because that featured snippet's taking the majority. And we already know that, like, you know, I mean, I say we know, but in my experience, like, we used to talk about the top thirty results, and I think at this point we're talking about the top five, right? I mean, it's just people, you know, things are optimized better, and and, and people are doing a better job of marketing, and so we're getting less false positives, and so people are able to find what they want in the first five results pretty consistently. Um, And so we're just seeing that landscape change. So if we're seeing featured snippets, you know, start to see that, you know, secondary link, you know, fall off, I would take that as an indication that, you know, having a featured snippet is is really uh, something you should be focusing on. Yeah, and I and, and 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 that's a good point. And I actually, when this first happened, um, um, I was included in some chatter on on a Facebook SEO group. And what I thought somebody responded to uh, in some data, as far as taking that link away, how much traffic are you? I think basically 
a company that was used as an example that had all you know a ton of featured snippets for for a certain uh, uh, search phrase, pretty much only dropped 0.8 percent. I could be wrong. I think I'm quoting this right about 0.8 percent in traffic because they're now no longer part of the top 10, but they're still the featured snippet. So you're right. I mean. The goal is to get onto that first page, get into the featured snippet. The one question that I have, you know, maybe you have the answer to it, because I, I, I have not worked with many clients that have this, have that, but what happens when, when somebody has something that's featured, and, get, and granted, Google is only featuring a snippet of their content. What about the people that don't want to be featured in snippets? Um, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm waiting to find the, the people who, who who this change is affecting, meaning they're they're included in the snippets, they're not included in the first ten results, but they would rather be in the first ten results and not in the snippets. Yeah, I don't think that you can ever really get into that because you know that goes back to the same question of remember when you were in the nine position and you wanted to be an eleven? Like, you know, I don't want to be a nine, I want to be at eleven. I don't want you know, it's like Google hasn't really always given you a lot of options on how they're gonna display your content, just whether or not you're allowing it to be displayed, period, right? So you could de index the content and, and but I, I don't think that I, I haven't seen any option or heard anybody having an option like that. But ultimately I also haven't heard of anybody who wants that because you know, although they're saying, Hey, look, this featured snippet spot might be you know, what what are the, the, the chances for that? You know, somebody's like I'm, I'm giving the information away without getting the click, and so I'm not getting my ad revenue off my site, right? That, that's a, a pretty straightforward reason why some people might not want the information displayed just on Google when somebody wouldn't click through. But if you're going to remove yourself from that featured snippet spot, then the next person gets it, and they're going to take all of the, of the information, and they're going to answer that question anyway, in which case that search, that, that result, that query is not a click-through query. And I think that, you know, again, that kind of goes back to really trying to swim upstream. Like you, more importantly, and I was even going to say this earlier, with search results, I feel like you have to stop thinking about just ranking. You have to think about how does the search result look? I have a lot of clients where, you know, they're about to go spend $150,000 to do SEO when the number one result is a Yelp page. It's like, Dude, you're not going, Google's not resulting individual people for this search result to start because you're getting a lot of, um, you know, comparison or aggregate, you know, results page like Yelp or, you know, some of these other services. So your effort should really be on making sure you're number one on that Yelp page. Right. That, that, that's your best chance. You know, so so I think sometimes we need to look at it a little bit more holistically. Um, and I think that if you're in a position where you're fighting, where you don't want a featured snippet because it takes away click throughs, then you're probably battling against a phrase that's not going to ultimately work out for you long term. Yeah, I agree. So that said, I mean, I, I, one thing about schema, that I think is is, you know, I mean, look, I, I always say it like this. You want to have a website in the search results, you had to build a website. You, you know, that was, that was the prerequisite to, to being you know, successful in, in services. You have to have a website, right? And then it was you have to have a mobile site, and now it's you have to have schema. There's, there's no ifs or buts about it. It's, it's essentially a requirement at this point. If you want to be found you know, outside of the 20% of options that are just search, you have to have 
you know, schema. And, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. And it's only going to become more important. And I think my question to you would just be, how do you manage schema at this point? Because I don't think people really understand that schema is not just about putting your organizational on there and adding, a, you know, like you said, a, a price or a couple minor things. One, Google and the other uh, groups that are creating schema don't always agree on what's valid schema. Right. You know, JSON tends to be the cleanest from what I understand, but I'm not a developer and that could have changed. But um, how do you go about managing the sometimes hundreds of schema markups that need to go on on websites? Yeah, I, I think generally speaking, I don't know that any one website would have maybe more than a half a dozen to a dozen different type of schemas. Right. So, like, for instance, if they're a dating site, they're going to use the event schema. Um, they can use the organization schema. Um, there is a profile schema for people, you know, to, to talk about a people person or an, a pro profile, a person's profile or an author. I just don't know that would work for a dating site. So, look, you got to stay on to schema.org. You got to, you got to, you know, be on Webmaster World. You know, you, you have to read articles, you know, as far as different experience of how people are, are le using schema. And then you just have to play around in, the, in, in Google SERPs and, and do tests for different search results related to your topic and maybe your competitor's topic in different areas and see what pops up, see if there's any featured snippets pop up. And then if that happens, like so on, you, 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 you look on one and you see your competitor fe uh, featured snippet of one of your competitors pop up, what I do is to stay on top of things, I copy that URL I go to Google's uh, structured data tool um, free and drop that URL in so that I can see exactly how that uh, uh, competitor did or organized their schema. And then that would give me an idea of what I should be doing. Um, I like uh, that. I like that. That's really interesting. I mean, um, a lot of people don't know this, but Google at one point tested, you know, um, basically reporting on where featured uh, snippets and things were ranking. And, and so you could see like my featured snippet ranks like say number four, or ranks number five. And so you'd know that, hey, if I can get that featured snippet to number one, then it shows up, right? Because it's, it's that ranking aspect. Um, but it's also, you know, obviously the schema. So if you could identify exactly what schema someone had, it's like the old school, like, you know, a link analysis, right? Like what links do they have? I'll go get those links and then I'll get a couple more and then I'll outrank them. Well, if you know what their schema is, and you can build authority and make your content a little sharper, then you know you could take over that spot potentially. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, that, that's sort of my MO. Yeah, I like that. So one of the other areas that is really kind of interesting because we've always had a lot of changes that were like um, – your content's not good enough, go, go create better content or, you know, you don't have enough content or you don't have enough links or you, you haven't, you know, used the right markup or you haven't added schema. A lot of these are pretty straightforward when it comes to adjustments to SERPs, but some of the changes that are coming out um, lately don't necessarily have a very clear and obvious fix. One of those is still not here and that's voice search, right? And voice search is one of those where it's great, but people say things in different ways and how many startups out there have these funny spellings for their names and when you say the name in a voice it's never gonna they're never gonna be found right so there's a whole can of worms that's gonna come with voice but one of the ones that's here right now and today and is pretty popular is BERT can you talk a little bit about what BERT is and and what people need to know about it yeah um and as I mentioned before it's uh BERT is is one of Google's uh, largest broad core update in the last five years 
I think it rolled out, correct me if I'm wrong, last fall. Um, and um, the, the acronym stands for Bidirectional Encoder Representations from Transformers. Uh, to me, that sounds like an STD you'd get from an Autobot. But <laughs> uh, in reality, um, what can you do to be ahead of the curve in BERT? And really the answer is um, it's not going to help any of your poorly written content from the past. So again, it goes to what we've talked about in the beginning of this podcast. We need to focus on creating good content. Bert really handles long-winded um, um, questions, I guess is the best way to say it. You know, um, questions that have the words for and to and maybe but in them because it's, it's, you know, you're asking different concepts. So where does this come from? Why did, this, why did Google create this? Well, look at what ha- look look to what has happened over the last few years with exactly what you're talking about, um, audio, um, you know, uh, audio search, you know, using Alexa, using Google Home Assistant. Um, people are naturally turning to their assistant on Google and they're not typing in a long form question, they're simply asking the question or they're saying something and looking for the results. I can tell you that I don't think my daughter has, she's 13 years old, had a phone for a few years. I don't think I've ever seen her go to Google to search for anything. She simply just says, hey, Google, or hey, Siri. And so Google needed to use the technology they've already had, their AI software, their machine learning technology to determine, well, what is really the juxtaposition of of these questions and these things that people are asking to to really give and deliver a natural answer. And so that's really what what BERT is. And so it is still important to organize. It, it just goes back to the fact that you need to organize your content, you know, in concise bits of information. I like to use tables, lists, bullet points in every article wherever I can, because realistically, humans ask very complicated questions. But when it comes time to finding out those answers, they skim and they just they just they you know, they, they look over things really quick to find something visually that looks like what they're answering or what they're looking for the answer to. And then they they delve into it. So from an SEO standpoint, we tend to look at a page and optimize it. Right. We're like, OK, this is my page. This is my opportunity to you know have this page rank. Um, I think a lot of people with Bert are looking at like, OK, well, if, you know, keyword searching is kind of gone. Right. If that that age is gone and it's more conversational searching and and Google's starting to understand that natural language conversation better and they're starting to result based on that. um, Do people need to spend time now going back and really starting to better understand how people search for their products? And how do people start, you know, finding that information and and how do they include it so that Bert starts to benefit them? Yeah. Awesome question. I love I love this exercise when I have to do it. So what I would do to answer your question, how to understand how people are searching for my product, one of two ways. Number one, I go to Google and uh, let's say uh, the concept, give me a concept that that I'm searching for. Uh, Shoot, that you want to buy a, man, I don't know. (laughs) I always get caught on the Burt ones, right? They're always something uh, that's kind of, you know, random, right? You know, basically, what's the best um, um, material for uh, uh, um, (laughs) – listen, this is what I do. What I do is I take the search concept and I go to Google and I type in who 
and then the search phrase what and the search phrase how and the search phrase when and the search phrase i keep doing the who what where when how why all and i looked at the google um uh, uh what do you call it cascade the the, the 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 keyword suggestions to see what somebody is searching for a concept what 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 questions are they asking so what is blah 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 who is blah 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 when is blah 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 and then that tells me what people are actually searching from in actually in Google. I look at my Google Console um, uh, results and uh, queries, and I search all of my search traffic, my Google search traffic for anything that has who, what, where, when, how, or why, and that will generally give me questions that Google has dis that that will give me answers to wh what Google has displayed me for when people are asking questions similar to my content. The next thing that I would do is I would add a Google. Um, site search feature or any site search feature to your own website. So it's not about what they searched for to get to your website, but now that they're in your website, how are they searching? And then I would take those key phrases that have who, what, where, when, why, what, when, and I would add them to my content and optimize for it. And one of the examples kind of like that I just searched up real quick, uh, you know, for the difference between the phrases would be like 2019 Brazil traveler to USA need a visa, right? Historically, that would be all keywords or keyword phrases that could bring up multiple different results, right? And so you might have, you know, um, you know, US, an article that would say like US citizens can travel to Brazil, right? Whereas it's important to understand that the, diff the, the inclusion of the word to is, is, is a directional, right? People coming to the US, right. right? So that phrase before the change would result in an article saying that you could travel to Brazil, where after the change, it actually gave you the uh, U.S. Embassy in Brazil for the visa section that allowed you to actually find the visa. So that all they changed was the, the understanding of the word to to mean directional. Right. And so that's that's really kind of a great example of what Bert is doing. I launched a site last year um, uh, where I, um, I was I'm selling CBD it's called ComfortingCBD.com. The first thing I did was search. Um, I think I used SEM Rush for this, or you know Google as well. I searched for who, what, where, when, why, and the word CBD, and that gave me a ton of insight as to what people were searching for when they have questions about CBD. When should I take CBD? What should I take CBD for? How do I take CBD? I can answer. I can create dozen articles on all on all of those. A new one and a most recent one is coronavirus. What is coronavirus? How is coronavirus transmitted? When does coronavirus, you know, when did it, when is the outbreak? Where? If you type in who, what, where in the word coronavirus in, in maybe search console or whatever tool you have, you're going to see what people are asking for and then you can build content to that. Sweet. Well, we're, we're, we're kind of running out of time. So I wanted to ask you, I mean, you have a wealth of information. Everybody listening is probably really interested in learning some more. How can people find you online? Where can they find you, Peter? I am in the cloud, right? That's where we are. <laughs> uh, sometimes too high up in the clouds, but reality is, uh, I'm always on, I'm on LinkedIn. I have a profile, Peter Leeshaw on LinkedIn. I'm Peter Leeshaw on Twitter. I think those are the two best places to reach out to me if you're looking for, you know, to reach out to me to understand what my background is and what I can uh, do to be hired uh, uh, to help uh, your, you know, your the comp any company. Um, but I think those are the two places I want to leave you with is uh, on Twitter, Peter Lee Shaw, and on LinkedIn, Peter Lee Shaw. 
Beautiful. Thanks, Peter. I really appreciate you joining the show and sharing a lot of really great information. It's always a pleasure, man. I really enjoyed it as well. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye.